Howdy. It's time to dive in on everything Trey. So 55 days. Yeah. That sounded fake. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 55 days. Till we get married. Are you excited? Yes. Are you nervous? No. Really? Annoyed. Annoyed with me? No, I'm annoyed with everybody else. You're annoyed with me. I'm annoyed with all the vendors and the people. No, that's completely fair. Some of them have upset me along the way as well. Yeah, I literally just looked at my phone before we started this, and I have the invoice for our late night snack people that I have been trying to communicate with for the last three weeks. They've taken their sweet time, so their hot dogs better be good. That's all I'm saying. I sure hope so. They're supposed to be, like, intense. I think the one that upset me the most was, this was a while back, but it was the food. Yeah, that was really frustrating. I did a whole phone call with her, and, like, she's like, yeah, we can totally do that. And then the very next day, they were like, oh, we already have that date booked. I was like, well, you told me literally the day before it was still available, so what? Yeah, that was really frustrating. It seemed like it was just really hard for us to find uh, a a vendor that would do any kind of food that we wanted. Like, like I don't mean any kind of food we wanted. Like, we it was hard to find any kind of vendor that did a food we were interested in, that also was willing to just even generally do it. The way you want it. Like, it was hard to find buffet style, first of all, which was, why is it hard to find buffet style? It's not but that it was complicated. Also like, if it was, it was all, it was all this, like, such intensely fancy foods. Like, I get that, that that's people's thing. And you want fancy foods for a fancy event or a plated fancy dinner. But for us, like, our whole gist is that it's, it's a party. It's a big party to celebrate us. We don't need this super fancy dinner. We just need food that everybody will eat and lots of it. And they can get whatever they want as much as they want that they don't have restrictions. And that's what the buffet was, especially because we have so many vegans, vegetarians, pescatarian, like all these different, you know, dietary restrictions. It's like, no, a plated meal was not the way to go. You're right. It would have been a lot more complicated, I think, to try to make all the different dietary restrictions happy. I think it also just fits the vibe better. Like we're having a more laid back wedding in a barn. It seems like we say laid going... back, but we're still like almost like black well, tie. Laid well, back. I've explained. <laughs> like, I've explained to everyone. It's a back. it's a laid back event, like per se. Like yes, like. You know, just come and hang out and whatever. Like, it's not going to be, like, super rigid. Like, it's more just a party. But it's a black to high party. Like, you're still expected to dress and present in a very formal way. Yeah, mostly because, like, it gives everybody a good reason to dress up. Plus, like, I don't really want to be full gown. And then my guests are there and, like, cut off jean shorts like that's just not a vibe for me so yeah i don't know what it is but something about 
having it be fancy like that. I, don't know. I, I guess it's just that's like our it's the vibe aspect. we want. Yeah, I don't know, but so much controversy for our weddings, though. <laughs> there really is, and I don't understand why. <laughs> Both families just everybody has to give you an opinion, which we've heard like, okay, with when you get married, you'll have so much unsolicited advice and same when you have kids and whatever. But what's funny to me is my family went so long without saying anything until now, like three months in all of a sudden everyone has an opinion. Like it's definitely way too late to try and give me your opinion now. Well, we made up our mind a year ago. Oh, yeah. Before. We yeah. already knew what we wanted. It's just been a matter of making that happen. I mean, it's been over a year now. Since... And and now people want to put in their opinion. I'm like, it's it's not only is it too late, I wouldn't have listened before either. Right. <laughs> but yeah, three months in, I'm like, we're paying for everything at this point. Like Everything's been booked. There's a DJ. There's food. There's a venue. There's a photographer. Like, what left is there to plan? Well, when my dad is telling me in the last like two months ago oh i forgot to tell you to add these people i asked you like 10 months ago to give me a list of people in the family that at you least believed. he gave them to you before we started sending out invites he gave them to me after i sent out the shower invites because you remember my mom called and asked okay. if people were being invited when we had already sent out invites yeah i'm like it's a bit late I mean, we have a wait list, but... We were also able to include so. the people she was talking about before we ever even needed the wait list. Yeah. But say that ahead of time. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. I don't know. Most of it doesn't really matter. I I understand why people want to have opinions about things and stuff, and it seems like most people do, are, are like, they, they say something, and then they feel like they spoke their mind and they back off. And in the end, we either take their advice or we don't. Unless you're my grandmother who brings up the same thing every two weeks. Which thing? Where is the ceremony? I, your Aunt Sandy's not going to want to come for just the reception. Aunt Sandy isn't invited at all, Grandma. <laughs> 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 like... Well, that's something <laughs> some people understand it and some people don't. It, I know that a lot of people um, are used to certain traditions with ceremonies at weddings and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of people I talk to, they understand the concept of like an intimate ceremony, like a private ceremony. But it seems like they don't understand what that actually entails, maybe. I, I don't know I how to say this. I think that they just think that they deserve the right to be there. It's, it seems like they think that... A lot of people think that they deserve that. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. So the way I see it is more so that they don't understand where that limit cuts off. I guess. Yeah, sure. sure. If there was 100 people invited to a private ceremony, if that's what was considered private, because you had 1,000 people coming to your reception afterward or something... <laughs> So if the ceremony was private in that context, then, yeah, a hundred people, sure, a lot of people are going to make the cutoff. But if the cutoff's 10, 20, 50 people, like wherever that cutoff is, and you got to remember you have two families. Mm -hmm. So especially if you've got larger families at any point along the line, someone's not making the cut. 
Yeah, that's true. And I think it surprises people how quickly those numbers add up when you start counting both families. Oh my gosh, yeah, when we first made our uh, guest list, and I was like, well, there's like 60 for you, and there's about 150 for me, and you looked at me, and you're like, we're gonna have to cut back on some people. (laughs) So... I don't remember saying that. I don't even remember. Sounds like something I would say though. What it's at now, but I I did cut back on some people. Well, but there's always those people that you feel it's like just you the need ceremony to, to me. The the when it comes to like other aspects of celebration and whatnot, like yeah, I I think like we've tried to include as many people that as are you know, that are important to us or that were important to them or whatever, like to invite them. Um, it's just the ceremony part. And like I said, some people get it. Like you just say the word intimate ceremony or private ceremony and they get it. Mm-hmm. Some people don't understand. Well, why aren't you having a ceremony on the day of? You're not even supposed to be asking those questions. Or, or <laughs> why, you know? why would you even consider not getting actually married the day of your wedding? Well, maybe because I didn't realize how, like, if it took much of your day or not. So I was trying to not take I think at one point we both agreed that getting actually married beforehand just meant one less thing to do on the day. You know, less, it was just less of a headache, Mm -hmm. less things to go wrong or to mess up. Yeah. But... I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to just whether you're signing a paper on the same day as your ceremony or not, like, I I don't care when you actually do it. I don't think it really makes a difference. Yeah, no, I would agree. I also think that, especially for us, like, it's a little easier because our officiant is certified for, like, Ohio, and we want to get married in Ohio, unlike Kara this weekend, who... Her officiants from Michigan. So well, the she way we said we're going to have... do it now, we're still going to get married in Michigan, but because we're both Ohio residents, we can get married well, anywhere and we want to call it an Ohio And because our officiant is certified for an Ohio wedding. Kara's officiant is only certified for Michigan, so she has to have a notary notarize her paperwork to have it be recognized in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. From a Michigan person. Yeah. Which, thankfully, my mom's a notary, so my mom took care of that last weekend. Yeah. So. But I'm like, oh, God, I couldn't imagine if we had to do even more of that. That would be another reason why I'd be like, screw it, we're not getting married today. Well, Ohio just has better laws than Michigan. (laughs) Just like everything else, Ohio is better than Michigan. I mean, it's the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Ohio had the same thing that you would have to get, you know, like a approval or pre, like the notary, if you were getting married in Ohio, but you wanted it recognized elsewhere. So, but we're not doing that, so it's okay. I don't know. Like I said, it's just one more thing that like could get messed up or go wrong, but it is a small thing, so... I'm just like, when do we even do it? Obviously, we're not seeing each other till the aisle, so it has to be like... The aisle? Is that the right word? Altar? I don't don't know. know. I don't know. Till I walk down the aisle, till I open the barn doors? Um, (laughs) 
Like, what do we do it before we see no, guests? No, like, yeah. Well, it doesn't really matter after all the pictures. It, it doesn't actually matter. You could sign it at any point during that day. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like I said, you actually don't even have to do it on that day. Technically, it just at some point you have to stand before the officiant and say the legally required words and sign a sheet of paper with a witness. Mm-hmm. That's the only legal requirement for it. Other than that, so you can do it at any point in the day. You could do it after the ceremony is completely done. You could do it after the reception's done if you really wanted to. I think most people, um, thinking back to a lot of like friends and cousins' weddings and stuff, the way they normally do it is after the ceremony, they disappear for 10 minutes or whatever, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, but right after our ceremony, we want to do our private moment and all that stuff. So it'll probably be before I'm, we I'm walk not, in. I'm not too concerned about so it. I'll have to figure that out. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about it. It's going to be easy anytime we have 10 minutes of downtime after our ceremony to just... I feel like we're going to have way more downtime than I think because I planned so much time for a photographer and she planned like no time. And I'm like, girl, are you going to get everything? You going to get enough photos? Like, I feel like when we got prom photos, we would schedule like two to three hours for photos. And I know she's a professional versus like parents, but she only scheduled like an hour for individual photos and group photos i think it's it's really straightforward like dang girl i think it's just really straightforward you're not trying to take a bunch of different pictures like it's there's pictures of us there's pictures in groups and you already know what those groups are basically ahead of time and you're only going to like one or two of the little locations around where your ceremony you know whatnot is and you just like, she's probably, the other thing is she's been to this venue, so she's probably like, I can knock these specific pictures out in 30 minutes. That's she already true. knows what she's doing. She just needs the people there so she can snap the picture. It just, I think she only gave, like, I don't even think she gave a half an hour for, like, the boys to get their group photos or the girls to get their group photos. Because how long do we like need? 15 minutes, and I feel like 15 minutes is not enough time. I think it's probably more than enough when you think about, you're only going to get, like, two pictures out of it. Bruh, nah. I need like 10. 10 of each. What do you mean, though? You're not going to use 10 pictures that all look the exact same. Yes, I will. I want them because I want them and I'm going to pay for them. I want all the photos in every format. That's a lot. That's why I got a second shooter, too, so I can make sure I get all the photos. That's just smart because you want, like, your good photographer taking, like, you know, the action shots, if you will. But there's some secondary photos of just kind of maybe other people or what's going on in the, you know, larger picture that, like, if all you had was one photographer who was always taking the up-close shots or the action shots or whatever you want to, like, you would be missing other stuff that might be worth getting pictures of, I think. Speaking of that, we have to figure out the contents of our detail shots. Oh, I'm sitting here. I don't even know what that means. I knew you weren't going to know what that means. Yeah, but, I don't know what um, that means. We will talk about that and figure that out. Um, oh. I can show you examples and then you can decide. <laughs> This cat is sleeping right here on the table. Yeah. 
right behind your computer. Yeah, we have a little friend here with us. She didn't like that you moved the computer. She's spooked. Our cat princess is laying on the table with us. Well, so... You kind of have a new job at an old, old, new old job. A, a promotion, a promotion, a new, new job promote. I don't know what you would call that because it's like technically promoted, but I went to a different place and then came back and got a promotion. So. You left, came back and got hired in at a higher position than you used to be at. Mm hmm. Princess, um, you're gonna have to not play with the mic like that. <laughs> Scooch, girlfriend. <laughs> you're gonna put so much static on the computer or on the microphone. There we go. Just rubbing all up on it. So, yeah. Um, so you're a project manager program, program manager. manager i always want to call it a project manager because that's what a pm means in like most other <laughs> in most any other job <laughs> yeah but it's a program manager program manager i mean it's a very similar concept it's a very literal translation as i recently come to find out but i'm saying it's it's the same idea as like calling you a project manager really isn't all that far off from the truth no it's not oh my gosh the cat's back um <laughs> it's just that in your context you don't work on projects you work on programs yeah your kids aren't projects they're programs yeah so i get i work at an autism spectrum uh, center and we get clients who come into us we have clients that go to school and we have clients that request services in their home and we provide aba services which is applied behavior analysis um, in a sense, it's a way that uh, to teach and help kids cope and learn how to control their emotions and urges. So, specifically aimed towards autistic kids. Specifically, well, I would say the majority is autistic kids, but I would label it more specifically. She is banging your mic. I know. By the way. <laughs> I would say it's more specifically... I'll have to lock the cat out of the room just so we can hear you talk. <laughs> more specifically learning disabilities because some kids that come to us don't have an autism diagnosis and we'll, we still take them. Um, so, like, some kids have genetic mutations which cause learning delays and um, disabilities. That sounds like Down syndrome. We do also have children with Down syndrome. We also uh, have kids that are just considered who have like ADHD or defiance um, issues. And so we work with them. Most of those kids come to us because the school has deemed them not able to be in the public school system, that they wouldn't get the help that they needed. So these kids come to us looking for that kind of help, more specific targeted help with their behaviors yeah what um what does your day look like like what kind of because you don't actually work with the kids anymore you used Sometimes. to as a behavior tech you used to actually be on the floor with the kids running the programs yeah well 
for the last month I've been in training because it's a new position. So that was just a lot of Zoom calls. But this week I have been officially released on my own, as one could say. And I have four clients. I will be getting much more soon. Um, But for me, a normal day now looks like making sure that each kid has the proper assessments done, which every kid has to have a verbal behavioral barriers assessment, which just indicates what things might be blocking them. So I don't know like any of the words. You're going to have to talk to me like a fifth grader. I was trying to already do that. Okay. It still went right over my head. So a so, verbal, <laughs> they have to have an assessment. I don't know if it means I'm stupid. <laughs> or I'm not good at making lay terms. I don't know what it means, um, but I didn't understand. So a verb, so it's technically the, its real name is a VB map. Yeah, so it's a verbal behavioral. So the acronyms are worse than the words. Yes, verbal behavioral <laughs> um, assessment. And within that assessment, there's multiple portions. There's one that just checks what we consider your milestones, how you talk with people, how you imitate people, how you play with people, your social skills. There's one that's the barriers, which is everybody has to have a barriers, which is when we look at things that might hinder you from being able to be placed back in a public school or um, transfer you from working in our outreach services to our clients in service or in center services barriers literally what you would think of that could stop you from being in your general education classroom um so things like vocalizing making loud noises at inappropriate times eloping getting up and running out of the classroom when you felt like it these are considered barriers and so we track these and we see how much these can hinder you and this is something that every kid has to have so we make sure everybody has their barriers and when you plug in the information it gives you a score and you're doing this on like a this is like a day-to-day so report that you're doing on these kids not every day we don't do this every day so every six months we have to submit an assessment report And that report has to include that barriers assessment, as well as, um, depending on their age, a couple of other assessments that were offered to test their skills. Those are like routine assessments. What kind of stuff would they be tracked on on like a daily basis? Yeah. So, as I was saying, so you go every day, you got to make sure that your kids are up to date on those. And... Those are reviewed every 90 days, so you have to redo your assessments every 90 days and write a, like, 16-page report and submit it and get it approved. And that's your job? Yeah, that's my job, is to make that report, submit it, and then somebody approves it. Once it gets approved, that's when I literally do the program managing part, because once those are approved... That's how I decide what programs the kid is going to work on. 
So these assessments, say they make it to level three. Okay, so they made it to level three. Their next goal is going to be level four. That's what I have to work on with the kid. So that's what I put into their literal programs. And those skills are what gets put out to the behavior technicians on the floor every day. And they run them. So, for example, if your kid can take off his shoes, his next skill is to put them on. So the next, so when I right, send you're out just a, saying if they have the skills or you know ability like to do almost. something, you're looking for what the next level has, the next hard thing beyond that. Like yeah. you said, you know, taking off shoes turns into putting them on, turns into tying them. Yeah, you know, whatever it is, so everything builds on itself, and they're in these assessments. They all build upon each other. So you, like I said, you get to level four, the next one's level five. So you just keep moving up. And when we do these assessments and we send in the assessment report, we're telling the insurance, we're telling the social workers, we're telling the family, hey, your kid has accomplished this. So this is our new goal. And then once it gets approved, I can put those into the programs and the kids can start working on those things. Um, so I do that daily, and as well as every time the behavior or the yeah the behavior technician puts in data on those programs, I it immediately gets charted for me, graphed, and I can see the progress that they're making daily on these things, whether it's going up and down, whether it's just going up. Maybe we try something that they've done in the past and it's not going so well. So I can look at this data, and then I can come over to my BTs, is what we call behavior technicians, and I can be like, hey, so I'm noticing this, like, let's troubleshoot this together, let's try and figure out a better way to run this, or what are you seeing that I might not be seeing? Because again, I'm not with the kids every day, the, the BTs are on the floor with the kids every day, and sometimes they see things or have ideas about things that I don't see every day. So I take that into account. I let them see if they can give me any input but along with the programs that we run every day we run behavior data so like i said a lot of these kids come in with different behaviors they they run away they yell really loud they might hit you they might fall to the floor and scream um there's just they might throw things across the room so there's all these different behaviors that we work on and when you get a new child, you run an assessment. There's so many assessments. Are the, are the behaviors considered different than the other, the other objectives that you're working on? So, yes and no. So, when you make a program plan, you include the behaviors in that program plan, but they're tracked differently. So, when I say to the kid, put your shoes on, we're going to track... If he put the shoes on by himself, if I had to point to the shoe, if I had to show him how to put a shoe on, if I had to fully put the shoe on for him. When it comes to behavior data, if the kid is screaming, well, I can either ask you to record exactly how long he screams for. Did he scream for three minutes? Or I can ask you how many times in your session, your two and a half hours with the client, did he scream? So there's frequency or duration. You can get how many times did he scream? Sure. How long did he scream? 
So, so we kind of track those differently. Would it be kind of accurate to say that there's different types of things you were recording and those things are like things you want to work on, goals you're trying to achieve for the kids and also things you're trying to like fix or get rid of? Oh, yeah. So that's what you're saying. Like you have things like trying to put shoes on. Those are goals you're trying to teach the kid mm-hmm. versus trying to teach the kid not to hit. Yeah. Well, in our. But those are all part of the program. Yeah. So for with the kids trying not to hit, we would run a couple different things. So obviously we're still tracking how often the kid is hitting people. We're always going to track that until the percent is zero. Um, so that's just general. But then we'll have programs in which. We work on introducing the kid to more social situations, how to appropriately play with peers, things like that, that would give them the opportunity to engage with others appropriately. But we also have a behavior plan, which is separate from our programs. And this is based on what I call, well, not what I call, but what we call an FBA, a functional behavioral assessment, where we figure out why the kid is engaging in these behaviors are they trying to get away from the work are they trying to get to something specific are they enjoying a sensory um feeling why are they engaging in this behavior so once we figure that out we write a behavior plan say this kid is hitting because they want their ipad back their reinforcement time their personal time to enjoy themselves is over their ipad is taken away so we can start doing work and they hit you So now it is because they want tangibles. They want access to something. So what we work on is, oh my. (laughs) So we work on is instead of taking away the iPad right away, we say, hey, Casey, one minute till your reinforcement time is up. We give them a warning. We let them know, hey, it's coming. Is that a HIPAA violation? No, I just picked a random name. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. No, I picked a random name, I promise. Um, So, yeah, you're like... Not that anyone would even know if you... I mean, fair, but I'm not even going to try to break it or be sly. No, Casey's a friend of mine, so... (laughs) It's the kitty cat right in front of you. That works, too. But, so, instead of just taking the iPad and being like, all right, reinforcement time's over, like, we're going to be like, hey, you have one minute till reinforcement's over. And then we move on to being like, okay, your timer went off. We try to give them that auditory, like you can hear the timer going off. You can see that the timer has hit zero. So they understand their time is up. And then instead of just taking it, we try to be like, all right, my turn and let the kid offer it. It gives them more of a feeling of control. So they don't feel as much as it's, just being taken from them and we also say like hey my turn once we do some work we can earn our ipad back and they understand that they're getting it back and they're more likely to follow through not engage in those behaviors so we work on behavior plans that aren't necessarily part of our programs but it's how we deal with those problem behaviors that the kids engage in when we try to work on the academic goals that the kids need to work on. So it's kind of a twofold. Yeah. Makes sense. So this job is definitely a change of pace, but in a good way. It's a big step up. It's a big move for you and what you want to do. 
What is this? I mean, what are you looking forward to with this job, though? So much of the last like two years of my life, I've worked, I guess, as a as a behavior tech, working directly with the client, and I felt as though there were so many things that I knew and understood, and I couldn't tell. Well, I could tell my supervisors, but it didn't really mean that it would be implemented or followed through on or anything like that so now that in a sense I'm in charge of that in charge of the programs I have the ability to make sure those things are done and do them in the best interest of the child but also because I know how much I wanted to offer as a BT I feel as though like I'm able to ask and use what my current BTs feel and see as data for me going forward so i'm just excited to be in charge of making the programs and pushing through with the progress i'm also excited for the flexibility in this job that's just a side note because now that i am able to work from home i think it's just going to make things that we want to do in our personal lives easier in the future I agree with that because I miss working from home, even if it was once a week or twice a week. Just there's flexibility and and freedom that comes with it that just makes life easier, whether it's not having to drive home from work afterwards. You don't realize how big of a deal that is until you have to go back. You realize you waste 30 minutes there and back every day. It so was instead nice of working like, for eight hours in the lounge, you're there for nine hours. Now you're out of the house for 10 hours mm-hmm. instead of being at home the whole time and you're home for your lunch break. You're, you're home for the, you know, all the moments in between your actual work schedule. You're, uh, so you're yeah, already home. I definitely home. enjoy it. It was nice to be home and like let out the dog whenever she wanted. It's nice for the fact that I'm going to be going back to school in the fall. It's nice, again, like you said, for driving, it was nice to get off at 5.30 and immediately be able to go on my run and not have to wait until the, like, 7 or 8 o'clock at night once we got home and ate dinner. Like, I wasn't hungry yet. Like, it it was just nice. It's just a convenience <laughs> thing. Yeah, and I think, let alone, obviously, with school coming up. Yeah, I'll but say, also, let alone whatever benefits there might be to it. Because you talk about literal benefits, like you said, yeah. time management, maybe money saved on gas, whatever it is. But I think the biggest one is just how convenient it is and how much more you can do in your day with with your life and how much happier and stress free you are when well, you're just, just think, like, home. Because you get off also... work in your home, you get have lunch, you're home, you can sleep in 30 minutes extra. Like, there's <laughs> all these true. little things that add up to just make it so convenient. I just think also, like, we want to start a family and not too long, so having the ability to work from home will just be, like, huge for having kids. I mean, not having to pay for a babysitter, being able to literally work from the comfort of your home, do whatever you need to do with a baby, breastfeed while you're more, at work, like, all these convenience. things. Like, so <laughs> much convenience, money-saving, it's just... A very flexible, very family-oriented position. So it's very, I'm very excited to be working back at this company. 
Don't forget to like this episode, subscribe to Everything Trey for more content, and follow me on social media.